Good morning, RVA. It's 60 degrees, and you can expect the day to warm up just a bit by this afternoon. Tomorrow, though, temperatures sink like a stone with lows near freezing and highs 20 degrees cooler than today. Plus some rain. Wild. Megan Wise at NBC12 reports that yesterday's highs hit 83 degrees, obliterating the all-time high and tying the all-time overall high for February, set back in the 1930s. Water cooler. As of last night, Richmond, Henrico, and Chesterfield continue to have medium CDC COVID-19 community levels. The seven-day average case rate per 100,000 people in each locality is 65, 92, and 38, respectively. And the seven-day average of new COVID-19 hospital admissions per 100,000 people is 10.4. First, these numbers don't scream data issues to me like they have for the past two weeks. Second, I think next week we might officially dip back into the cool green waters of a low COVID-19 community level. While we wait for that, wash your hands for 30 seconds and read Caitlin Jettelina's piece on this year's norovirus season. Okay, we now have voting locations for this coming Sunday's special election to fill Jennifer McClellan's now vacant Senate seat. Important note, you can vote in this weekend's election if you live in the old 9th Senate District, a.k.a. Jennifer McClellan previously represented you in the Senate. If you've been redistricted into the new 9th Senate District from elsewhere, you'll have to sit this one out. It's confusing, but luckily you can use this Who's My Legislator tool to find both your old and new districts. If you're a big fan of voting in elections, get excited because primaries for all of the General Assembly seats kick off this summer ahead of a very big and very important November election. The Richmond Times-Dispatch's M. Holter reports that Richmond has won a $1.35 million federal transportation grant to continue working on the plans to cap I-95-64 over by Jackson Ward. This funding comes from the Department of Transportation's Reconnecting Communities pilot program and is specifically designed to help undo some of the destruction caused by running highways through majority black neighborhoods in the 50s and 60s. This is great news. While it's not money for pouring concrete and building things yet, I think winning the grant speaks to the project's potential, especially since Secretary Mayor Pete himself was down here walking through the neighborhood a while back. Fingers crossed that the city's team will put together a compelling plan and eventually win some actual infrastructure dollars. You can read more about reconnecting Jackson Ward and the original grant application here. Ben Pavoir at VPM reports on some embarrassing and mean-spirited text messages sent by Governor Youngkin's recent appointee to UVA's Board of Visitors. It's yet another story of how the governor appointed someone unfit for the job, a recurring theme over the past year. These appointments seem clumsy since they inevitably stir up a negative media cycle or two, but I don't know. Appointing someone who says ridiculous things like it's, quote, our only opportunity to change slash reverse the path to wokeness that has overtaken our entire university. It lets the governor spread damaging Trumpian rhetoric throughout government while keeping himself and his moderate-looking fleece vest out of the fray. Axios Richmond's Ned Oliver reports on Virginia's budget, or I guess the lack thereof. From the piece, quote, the General Assembly is scheduled to adjourn Saturday morning, but first lawmakers have to resolve a standoff over $1 billion in tax cuts proposed by Governor Glenn Youngkin. It doesn't look like they're going to make their deadline. This is where my understanding of the General Assembly and its budget process breaks down, and I get confused about next steps, if there even are any. Via the RBA subreddit, an interesting post tracking prices of takeout menu items since 2019. Unsurprisingly, the prices have gone up. The Flying Squirrels have released their very long list of promotions, fireworks, and giveaways for the upcoming 2023 season, which begins on April 7th. This list is intense. It makes me thankful Richmond has a minor league team that leans fully into the weird and wonderful. This morning's long read is titled How a Drug Company Made $114 Billion by Gaming the U.S. Patent System. 
The stories of massive companies extracting billions of dollars from vulnerable members of our society continue to shock me. Yeah, I guess they do. Here's an excerpt. One analysis found that Medicare, which in 2020 covered the cost of Humira for 42,000 patients, spent $2.2 billion more on the drug from 2016 to 2019 than it would have if competitors had been allowed to start selling their drugs promptly. In interviews, patients said they either had to forego treatment or were planning to delay their retirement in the face of enormous out-of-pocket costs for Humira. AbbVie did not invent these patent-prolonging strategies. Companies like Bristol-Myers Squibb and AstraZeneca have deployed similar tactics to maximize profits on drugs for the treatment of cancer, anxiety, and heartburn. But AbbVie's success with Humira stands out in an industry adept at manipulating the U.S. intellectual property regime. If you'd like to suggest a long read to show up here, go chip in a couple of bucks on the old Patreon. That's patreon.com slash gmrva. This morning's picture of the day is a picture of a billion trash cans lined up alongside a building. Intro and outro music by Matt Fisher. And you can find links to all these stories and more in the show notes or on gmrva.com.